in Alabama Ag Review for the week ending July 26th. Bob Redding was one of the speakers at last week's Southern Peanut Growers Conference, as his topic was the Farm Bill. One thing he told farmers was not to worry about the nutrition title aspect of the bill right now. Randall Wiseman has the report. During last week's Southern Peanut Growers Conference held in Panama City Beach, Florida, one of the topics of conversation was, of course, the Farm Bill. Bob Redding, who represents the Southern Peanut Farmers Federation in Washington, D.C., said this has been a very difficult bill. But one thing he told farmers was not to struggle with this nutrition in, nutrition out business too much. That's going to be worked out amongst uh, House and Senate leaders uh, at a very high level. Our focus should be now on the minutia of Title I. We need to stick with that, communicate our position to our uh, strongest members on the conference committee and others uh, in the House and Senate. So that should be our focus. Redding said the long-term issue for Gores is the potential for insignificance. Even though our acreage stays high, production levels are great due to uh, state and federal research uh, expenditures and grower research expenditures, our numbers are decreasing. And uh, as far as volume of votes, we just don't have it in the number of congressional districts and in number of states that we used to have. And this piece is uh, very frightening to us. So under our system, without volumes of voters, large blocks, organized blocks of voters, that leaves us in the political process really with the financial piece and political contributions. Cotton, rice, and peanut all struggle with this piece. It's hard to raise money for candidates. Uh, The sugar growers got it a long time ago, particularly sugar beet growers. They understand it. They have less numbers, a similar situation as peanut, and do a great job with it. This is an area that we've got to do a better job post-2013 Farm Bill uh, to protect our future and our political position uh, with the Congress. He said the peanut industry will have to be better politicians to continue the run we've had with some really good farm bills over the years. Alabama State Forester Tim Albritton with USDA's National Resources Conservation Service has information about Wildlife School for Landowners being held August 22nd, 23rd in Evergreen, Alabama. Alabama farmers are invited to take part in a wildlife school for landowners that's taking place August 22nd and 23rd. Tim Albritton, state staff forester with USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service in Alabama, explains. Well, the Alabama Association of Conservation Districts has a uh, forestry and wildlife standing committee, and, and for the past five years they have been hosting a wildlife school, and we have it at different locations around the state of Alabama. And this year it's going to be held in Enterprise, and the folks at Heritage United Methodist Church and Enterprise have allowed us to hold the the meeting in their auditorium. So it'll be there on August the 22nd, and then on 23rd, the Friday, we'll take a bus tour of some of the property that's managed by the military base there, Fort Rucker. All written said pre-registrations for the event are needed. To pre-register, they can, uh, you know, get some information off of the, the website. Catherine Patton handles our registration, and she can be reached at area code 205-387-1879. And uh, she'll have all the information you need to get registered for this, and we hope uh, we'll get some landowners Uh, interested and hope they'll come. Again, the Wildlife School for Landowners will be held August 22nd and 23rd in Evergreen, Alabama. To learn more about it and how to pre-register, just go to our website at southeastagnet.com. The Alabama Cattlemen's Association works closely with those who sell and distribute beef across the state. Here's Randall Wiseman. 
Cisco is a company the Alabama Cattlemen's Association works with in efforts to promote the beef message to its employees. As a matter of fact, last week Aaron Beasley told us about a Beef 101 event they held in Auburn with Cisco employees. Now this week, Dr. Billy Powell said the ACA Executive Committee is taking a tour of the Cisco facility in Calera for them to learn more about that operation. Tour and, and see what all these food service folks do. I think Aaron said they have a million dollars worth of beef in their warehouse every day. So we're going to take our leadership up there, and CEO is going to meet with us and kind of talk about Cisco. We've been working real close with them, training some of their protein salesmen. I know Aaron has, has been there. We going had a meeting in Auburn, and we look forward to getting to tour that big facility. Dr. Powell said working with companies like this is another way your beef checkoff dollars are being put to use in Alabama. Now in its fifth year, Feds Feed Families is a campaign where federal workers collect and donate food and other non-perishable items to families in need across the country. And USDA's National Resources Conservation Service is part of this. We hear from Zona Betty with NRCS in Alabama about it. There's an effort underway through the various federal agencies called Feds Feeding Families. Zona Beatty, Assistant State Conservationist for Operations with USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service in Alabama, explains. Well, it's a department-level program. The USDA's been doing this campaign since 2009. And since then, federal workers have donated more than 15.2 million pounds of food and other non-perishable items to support families across America. Uh, More than 85% of federal workers are outside Washington, D.C., so this is helping in all the communities across every state. She said it's an effort to help those in need here in Alabama. Last year here in Alabama, we collected more than uh, 4,000 pounds of food or equivalents that we donated across Alabama to local food banks. Here in the state office, we uh, contribute to the East Alabama Food Bank, but across the state there are other were the churches and uh, local food banks that we donate to. Zona said it's for a fantastic cause. The statistics tell us that at least one out of every five children go hungry in the United States sometime during the year. And most of that occurs in the summer when we don't have the food and nutrition programs. So this is a perfect time of the year to have this. It helps to fill up the coffers of the local food banks, and it really goes to a great cause. The Nationwide Feds Feeding Family Food Drive will run through August 28th. Southeast Regional Communications Manager for the Cotton Board, Monty Bain, wants growers to learn more about flavor-infused cottonseed oils. Educating consumers about agricultural products is a big focus for the Cotton Board, but then again, letting growers know about the products being developed for consumers is also important. Monty Bain, Southeast Regional Communications Manager for the Cotton Board, said the Cotton Research and Promotion Program has had great success in adding more value for growers. And one of those products is flavor-infused cottonseed oils. In the last year, Tom Gardner with Cotton Incorporated has done a wonderful job promoting the flavored cottonseed oil, and there's, there's bigger things to come. Bain said cottonseed oil is America's original vegetable oil. People don't know that Crisco is an acronym for crystallized cottonseed oil. He said the flavor-infused cottonseed oils they have for both consumers and producers to sample at various events are from Acala Farms. And it's used more for sautéing and flavor uh, rather than just frying in it like a frying oil. 
And all the folks that have tried it loved it. It's zero trans fat per serving, zero cholesterol, and a great source of vitamin E. And if you were to scan items throughout your local grocery store, Bain said you might be surprised how many of them use cottonseed oil. The oil is used anything from chips to also the, the lint and the cellulose to hot dogs to ice cream. You'd be amazed at cotton byproducts that you could find in a grocery store if you just read the labels. Grower dollars being used for research efforts through Cotton Incorporated have helped expand the various uses of cottonseed oil, and Bain said that will continue as they want to make cotton and cotton byproducts more valuable. Everett Greiner tells us how another invasive species is threatening poor water quality. Zebra mussels. I just read a long article about zebra mussels. You never heard of them? Well, you will. It's another invasive creature imported from another part of the world. It's damaging our fresh water system. Our rivers, our lakes, our reservoirs are already troubled by these creatures. So far, agriculture has not been directly affected, but it's only a matter of time. Environmentalists are already concerned that we will eventually face shortages of water to grow our crops. States, even neighboring countries, fight legal battles over water right now. Water is not only critical to our food supply, it supplies our electricity, our recreation, municipal uses. Now, a new threat in the form of a foreign invader, the zebra mussel from Asia. Quantity is already a problem. Will quality be next? Here is Sabrina Hill letting us know that the newest device to detect earthquakes may not be a new high-tech device. Well, it seems the newest device to detect earthquakes may not be a high-tech device, but ants. That's right. It seems that ants, with the world's worst taste in real estate, seem to sense earthquakes before they strike. Active faults, fractures where the earth violently ruptures in earthquakes, are the preferred housing site for red wood ants in Germany. And for three years, researchers have tracked the ants 24-7 with video cameras using special software to catalog behavioral changes. There were 10 earthquakes between magnitude 2.0 and 3.2 during the study period of 2009 to 2012, with many smaller tremblers. The ants only changed behavior for quakes larger than magnitude 2.0, which also happens to be the smallest quakes that humans can feel. During the day, ants busily went about their daily activity, and at night, the colony rested inside the mound. But before an earthquake, the ants were awake throughout the night, outside their mound, vulnerable to predators, with normal ant behavior not resuming until a day after the earthquake. Remember, you can find these stories along with all the Big Southeast Agriculture reports on our website at southeastagnet.com. I'm Daniel Lee with Southeast Agnet's podcast.